As we continue through the book of 1 Timothy, today we arrive at 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 through 8. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions too, so that no one may be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Thank you, Bill. Good morning, good morning. There's a wonderful uh, British art critic named Jonathan Jones. And as he studied... Renaissance art, he came to find that the artists were painting uh, the elderly. It was in a way that was coldly curious, he would say, even cruel in their depictions of those who were growing older. Leonardo da Vinci scorned elderly faces, and he made them into monstrous wrecks. But Jonathan Jones says as he was studying the artist, he found that there was one who broke through, a notable exception to the habit of mocking the elderly. Do you have any idea who that was? Rembrandt. This painting hangs in my office, It's of the prodigal, and the prodigal father, his face is gentle and kind. His his wisdom and his age shows with incredible tenderness. Jones says that Rembrandt recognized the dignity and the character of aged faces. He embraced the marks of time as beautiful, mysterious, rich. Rembrandt was more interested in what he called the mystery behind someone's eyes. And then he went into self-portraits of himself at age 34 and at age 63. And you see one who was somewhat arrogant, dressed in regalia, to one who was dressed in simple peasant clothes, with a simple face, very humble. But he loved, he loved the aged. He loved the wisdom and the beauty of those growing old. And he gave them value. This painting in particular, I love, it, as we talk about the eyes, because actually the eyes on this are made to look blind so as not to see the sin of the sun that it's covered, it's done. I don't look upon you as one who's sinned against me. It's a beautiful painting. 
beautiful painting in my office so every day I remember the grace of our Father. This painting, as we get into Timothy chapter 5, I think I want to give you the image that God painted through Rembrandt. It, It is the heart of God. Rembrandt's way of painting the elderly is the heart of God. It's the heart of God for the value of the elderly. It's the heart of God for each of you of incredible value. To be honored, to be held up in esteem. God's heart through Rembrandt's paintings. And I pray that you'll see that this morning. One of the things that's, that's true about Rembrandt's paintings, they are the most valuable on the planet Earth today. And if there's one thing I want you to know about each other, is to God, you are the most valuable. And that we need to honor each other in such a way. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning that you would minister to us, that you would remind us of our value, Father, that you would forgive us when we, we don't value each other well. We don't honor each other well. And Lord, uh, would you pour out into this body just your love, your love for, for us, each of us, especially those who are growing a little more mature, a little more aged. And Father, especially the heart that you have uh, for our widows. Would you speak that to us loudly this morning? That we would consider our beautiful widows like a Rembrandt painting. In your beautiful and precious name. Amen. Well, the big picture, I think, of chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, that we look at this morning. Oh, that's not good that I can't see the clock, Adrian. <laughs> hey, it's going to be a good morning. We're just going to keep on. We're going to keep on rolling here. All right. Here we go. Big picture. Big picture of this chapter is that we are to honor all as a gospel-centered church. Every one of us. And especially in this chapter, our beautiful widows, those who are more mature than us, giving it honor. Well, what is honor? It's a question oftentimes that we, we ask and we don't really know. Is it saying, well, we just need to respect each other? Well, I think, that's, I think that's part of it. The idea of honor is to, is to give weight to on the scales of, of that which has more weight is more valuable. And that's the idea we give honor to. We, we realize that you are of incredible value that God has blessed you, has blessed us with a relationship with you, you're of incredible value. When he created you, you are of incredible value. It's to give dignity and worth to. And so Paul calls Timothy in verse 1, he says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters in all purity. Do not rebuke an older man. It's actually a very strong word. 
it, it has the idea of to, to strike against, to really come out in a harsh manner against an older man for something that they've done against you. Or maybe they've sinned, like all of us do. And Paul is saying, Timothy, as you're learning to lead this church in Ephesus, which is a very difficult church, and there's a lot of people who are in place, who are in the leadership, who are older men than you are, and some of them are making poor choices, don't, in your, in your young leadership, don't come out and strike against them so harshly, even though you may be right. Don't do that. That's not honoring to God. And it's not honoring that elderly saint. Don't strike against them. But be gentle, patient with them. You know, sometimes we have family members, we have maybe, maybe fathers who... Uh, are making choices that just aren't good choices. And you feel like you need to speak into that. Well, I believe God is, is calling you. He doesn't say, don't, don't step in. Actually, He wants you to step in. But to that elderly saint, maybe to that father of yours, to step in with words of encouragement. Encouragement, has the, it's the same wording of the Holy Spirit, paraclete. Come alongside that older man in your life. Speak truth into their life. But be gentle. Care about them and about their spiritual life. Don't, don't try to prove yourself right. Honor them. Give them value. Especially to our parents, right? I mean, God tells us to do that. Honor mom and dad. That means we always, throughout our whole life, even if they're awful people, we still give them weight because God gave them to us as parents. Period. So give them weight. Some of our elderly parents, uh, their minds, you know, just aren't working as well as they used to, right? And so sometimes we, we strike against that with harsh words and we get frustrated and I think the Lord's calling us to, to be very patient, understanding. Still speak truth. Try to help them to understand where you're coming from. But bring God into the picture. Because the painting he paints for your, your father is this. Beautiful, valuable. says, don't strike against the father. And and with your older woman, treat them as a mother. Beautiful and and gentle and and appreciative. The younger brothers, don't don't just, you know, I'm a younger brother, and you know it was like growing up with older brother. You're always getting your butt kicked, and and, uh, they're always putting you down. And so he's saying, Timothy, don't, don't be putting down the younger brothers. You know what it was like. Build them up. Build them up. Sisters, love them as sisters with all purity. And and he's adding a little extra there, with all purity, because, because the reality is sometimes we don't treat our sisters with all purity. Our minds wander to other areas. And so he's saying, when you're looking at a sister in Christ, you need to, a woman who's in the in the church family. When you're looking at her, look at her as a sister. Are you going to want to hook up with your sister? No. No. 
but look at them that way so that it keeps you with a pure thought. There was just a thing on um, the morning show the other morning, and it was this woman. It was dealing with harassment. And it was this woman. She was, she was attractive, but not, you know, supermodel. She was just a, a nice-looking woman. She was wearing nice-looking clothes, but not anything that was to be super uh, alluring to others. Just a, a nice, attractive woman. Walking down the streets of New York. And so they had video on her the whole time, all day long. And it was like every 10, 15 minutes, men are catcalling after her. Men are, are coming up next to her and like, hey, I, I paid you a compliment. You need to respond. You know, and they're getting, they're getting next to her and giving her a hard time. But it was constant. Here's just this woman trying to walk from one place to the other, and she's getting all these catcalls. And, and, and just looked at as someone, hey, I want to hook up with her. Women don't want to be treated that way. Your, your women in Christ and the church family don't want to be treated that way. And so he's saying, look upon them in all purity as your sister. And that allows all this freedom in relationship. It allows you to enjoy fellowship together. It allows you to do ministry together, uh, serving together. And in all freedom, and you really honor, you give value to your sister. And he's calling us to that. It's value to all. Honor everyone, and especially in this passage, to honor our beautiful widows. And he goes on to that. You know, it's interesting, uh, as we get into this section on widows, there are... There are, in this uh, short chapter, 14, 14 verses dedicated uh, to widows on how to love widows. I find that amazing. It's a very short epistle, First Timothy is. And he's dedicating uh, 14 verses to, to teach us about how to love widows. That says something. That says something about God's heart. That says something as, as he's painting this picture about what it means to really care for those in the church family. And I want you to understand God's heart for the widow, those who are without family, those who are in deep need. There's incredible, numerous passages that speak to that. Psalm 68 says, Our God is a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows. And He is that one God in His holy habitation as judge. Psalm 146, The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow. And Deuteronomy 27, Cursed is he who distorts the justice due to an alien or an orphan or a widow. He's concerned about the way that we are loving and living out His life for a gospel-centered church, how are we living out the life of Christ for the widow in our midst? How are we reflecting that? And as we do that, how is that reflecting to the world who's trying to understand who God is and needing His love and His salvation? And so He's teaching us. In Acts chapter 6, if you remember, it's one of the very first things the church did. The, the Hellenistic uh, believers, basically the Greeks, 
they were getting all over the Hebrews because you know what? The Hebrews were not taking care of their elderly. And they weren't taking care of the widows like they should have been. And I love it that the Hellenistic group was like, hey, what is going on with you guys? The widows aren't getting their fair portion of food. We need to respect, we need to give value to them, lift them up, give them honor, and we need to take care of them. And so they do. And so the, the apostles set up and they say, give us wise men. And we want them to be ones who are servants and ones who love God and full of wisdom. And we are going to make sure we step into this to love our widows. I love that. It's the heart of God. You can't miss that. James 1.27 This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and our Father. This is pure religion. This is what it means to be living out the life of Christ. This is righteousness. What is it? To visit orphans and widows in their distress. That's God's heart for the widow. Of giving them value in who they are. And he's calling for us as a gospel-centered church to be living out the same. And it's a movement of the Holy Spirit. Understand, again, 14 verses dedicated to caring about and what this looks like. Honor widows. Honor widows. Now, one of the things you need to understand, just a little history of what's going on, it's not like today where, uh, you know, the, the state oftentimes takes care of uh, widows. There's financial uh, support there. Uh, in the biblical times, the biblical times, there was, there was nothing. It, you had a dowry, and if that dowry went to your husband, uh, and then the husband died, then the dowry would go to the, the brother. Uh, but then after that, if the brother died, there's nothing. There's no money. And the widows in this situation literally had nothing. So you, got, you have no parents, you have no husband, you don't have a brother of the husband. There's no financial support for you at all. And this is the widow of biblical times. And so they were left in incredible need. I think the word to honor the widow in verse 3 refers not only to, to giving them value and beauty, but I think it very strongly means to take care of them financially, materially. That we step in and the way we give honor is actually to take care of them. They, they need money to live. They need stuff, food. And we give honor to them by taking care of those needs. And that's what was happening in Acts chapter 6. To, to take care of, of this beautiful widow who is needing help. I think also in today's age, as we think about widows, I think of, of, uh, of our divorced women. I think, of the, I think the fact is this. For our divorced women, uh, it's almost worse than losing a husband because, because you all know, typically, if a husband passes, there's usually some sort of life insurance and there'll be some sort of financial compensation that comes their way. Not necessarily in the case of a divorced woman. And so they're left financially tight and strapped. 
and in need. And again, for those dear women, giving them value and beauty, honoring them, being thoughtful of them, caring about what's going on in their life. So he calls us to care for them in this chapter. And he gives us some, some areas of qualification. He says this, Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age. Having been the wife of a, one husband, she must be well attested for, for her good deeds. As one who's brought up children, show hospitality. She's shown hospitality. She's washed the feet of the saints. She's relieved the afflicted and devoted herself to doing good in every way. So one of the things it says is to get her on the list, and and what I think was happening, and this may have stemmed back, we don't know for sure, this may have stemmed back to the Acts chapter 6, but there was a way to actually uh, start to, to keep track of who are the widows, what's going on in their life. And we need to have some qualifications for them to get on this supposed list to be cared for by the, by the church family. That they're not just taking advantage of that. And so there was some sort of uh, way that they were keeping track and caring for. And so they're giving us, in this chapter, what does it look like? Well, for her to be part of that and to receive care financially and with uh, food and things of that nature. Um, She has to be uh, older than 60. And by the way, we we do have an opening uh, here at the church. It's our uh, age assessment uh, director. Um, And uh, we we would like you to uh, go around and find out uh, the actual age uh, of the ladies uh, in this church. Uh, Our last one was severely beaten and... um, (laughs) She must be older than 60 years. The reality is, uh, at that time, uh, women weren't living much longer than 60 years. And so they were starting to go be with Jesus. She must be the woman of one husband. And that's kind of like what it talked about Jackson Toss, about deacons and leadership, you know, to be the, the man of one wife. It's the same idea. It's, it's not that, oh, you just can only marry one person. It's the idea that, that you are, you are focused, you are a, a one-husband kind of a woman. That's your husband. You're dedicated to him. You're not looking elsewhere. You're not flirtatious. You're not a woman who's out and about. You're a woman who loves your husband. They're saying, we want the, the, a woman who has that character. If she's going to say, I'm going to be part of this church family and I need to be taken care of, that she, she's an older saint who has a fixed eye on her husband. She did as he passed. She's a woman who does good deeds. She, she has a willingness to serve. She's humble in spirit. She's a woman who has relieved the afflicted. She's cared for those who have not been well. She has a habit of doing good. That is, she's caring for those in the church family and, and has a habit in, in coming in and stepping into their lives. Now what would happen is as, as these women were being identified they were being asked to not only they were not only placed on the list but they were being asked to, to give their lives in dedication to serving 
in the church family. To not just receive money and stuff, but to actually, I think what it did is it painted them as valuable. And I think what they wanted for these dear widows was, you need to realize something. Yeah, it's painful. Your husband has passed. He's with the Lord now. But now you have an incredible life ahead of you. Your life is not just about your husband. Your life is about who you are in Christ. And as we take care of you, we also want you to realize that, that you have value and, and serve. Give your life to a dedication unto Christ and serving the Lord. And so they, they call these women to, to realize who they are and to use their gifts to serve the Lord in new and wonderful ways, to have impact in ways that maybe they didn't have before. And so he identifies them, and then he talks about those who were widows that were serving themselves. Verse 6 says, But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. This type of woman shouldn't really be part of of this list. She's a woman who is self-indulgent. It's actually a really strong word. It, and it shows us a contrast. There's these godly women who are trying to survive, want to serve God, need to be cared for, and the church needs to, again, paint them as valuable and, and enjoy the beautiful painting of who they are. And Paul says... There's these women, then there's those who are self-indulgent, who are going after wanton pleasure. It's, it's actually, it's really an interesting word, and I'm not totally sure how it works out. But it, it's this idea of going after luxury, uh, is really what the root word is. Uh, we're going after luxurious life. We're ones who are given to pleasure, or an abandonment to pleasure and comfort. So my husband died, now I'm going to find someone else, or now I'm going to go after. You've got to understand, Ephesus was a thriving city, full of everything. You go big city anywhere, Ephesus had it. It had money, it had resource. I mean, there was wealth and there was poverty. But there were widows in the midst who, when their husbands passed away, they went after pleasure, went after luxury. It's interesting, in, in Ezekiel, it sort of speaks to this type of a woman. Ezekiel 16, it says, Where God condemns Sodom because she and her daughters had arrogance, they had abundant food, and they had a careless ease, but they did not care or give help to the poor and needy. There were women who went after luxury, and they didn't care about anybody else. And Paul's telling Timothy, those type of women are not part of this. And he goes on to, who else shouldn't be put on the list? Look at verse 11. But refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, not only idlers, but gossip, busybodies, saying what they should not. 
If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that they may care for those widows who are truly widows. You're familiar with the, with the sound of music. Sound of music had the beautiful Maria, and Maria went to go be part of the nunnery. And yet she was a woman who was full of life and started to fall in love with the captain, right? It's that kind of idea. It's, it's like, do you understand, the younger widows, they still, they still have a desire to marry. They still have a desire to, to be with another. And that's okay. That's okay. There was a lot of teaching sometimes like, nope, you can't marry another. That was your one husband, that's all you get. That was some of the false teaching that was coming in. Paul's trying to free him up and understand, hey, we understand. Don't put them on the list. Because, number one, they're going to come in like Maria did and say, oh, I want to make a commitment to the church. I want to be part of this. I want to step in and, and live this out and serve God. And yet the whole time they're going, oh, but I want to be with another husband. And so they're in turmoil. And so he's, no, don't put them there. They're going to break their commitment. We don't want that on them. It's just going to be, it's going to be too much for them. Also, the younger women, what happens is they start to go out from different places and, and they're freeloaders, they're busybodies. They're not committed to the things of God. And so, have the younger widows marry, have them bear children, have them enjoy their households. Because we don't want there to be any occasion for slander and the truth is some have already strayed after Satan. You see, they're free to, to marry to enjoy family, and, but stay in the community of believers. Some have strayed after Satan. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think what's happening is in their desire to, to just be in relationship, and we all know this, we all know this longing. When we're, we're not in relationship, there's a, an incredible longing. We get very lonely, and we want to be with somebody. And in Ephesus... There was all kinds of men of different faiths, different religions, a lot of just really gross pagan religion. And so I think part of this is that they're just going after and being drawn to just the relationship, and yet that man is, is of a pagan religion and really of one who follows Satan. And they're going after that, being drawn into the things of the world. Say, no, we want to keep these women in the family of Christ. We want to encourage them to have godly relationships. They're our sisters. They have incredible value. Let's help them to get to a healthy, holy place. Giving value to all. Giving value to, to our older saints. Giving value to each other. Giving weight and meaning and significance. And one of the things that Paul really highlights in this chapter is taking care of the family, your family, your immediate family. That we are to be ones that, that take care of each other. If a widow, this is verse 4, has children or grandchildren, let them first show godliness to their own household to make some return for their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. 
Don't miss this. This is pleasing in the sight of God. We look for things in the Scripture to say, God, you're happy about this. This, this brings uh, pleasure to your heart about living in righteousness. I, I grew up with this. My, my uh, grandmother, uh, we called her Meme. Uh, my grandmother's French, French-Italian, and uh, Bernadette Bruno was her name. And uh, Sonia, Sonia was her married name. Her husband... Uh, Raoul uh, divorced her, just left her. Unfortunately, a very typical French dude who just went after many women. But she was left all alone. The, the, the problem with Mamie, when she was young, she had the German measles. And so at a very young age, she started to go blind and, and deaf. And so she could sort of just barely see you, and she, you know, she would pretend that she couldn't hear you. you know, uh, She could hear a little bit, but she really did lose those senses as she was getting older. And ever since I can remember, um, my mom and dad, especially my mom, it's my mother's uh, mom, uh, she took care of Maymay, always, every day. Uh, She had a little apartment in Half Moon Bay where we lived because she wanted her independence, you know. Uh, But it was close enough, two minutes away, we'd just drive over and be with her and and, uh, enjoy life with her. But we always, you know, she was always part of life. We're, we're to take care of her. Because that pleases God. It's right. It's holy. And in and, and, and any way we can to, to minister to her in that way. Uh, and we just loved relationship with her. And we, we teased her. We had fun. Because, again, a lot of times she couldn't see or hear things that were going on. She was, she was famous for her, she was famous for her uh, French flan. Flan is like a custard. And it's really good if it's done well. Uh, one of the best desserts, uh, just bring great memories for me. But in her older age, she wasn't quite as good a cook. And uh, so she made, she tried something new. She tried like a coffee flan. And she was like all excited to present it at the dinner table. And I was, I was engaged to Kina at the time. And so Kina's over at the house for dinner and, and the whole family's together. And, and May May comes out with a coffee flan and... We all try it, and we take a bite, and it's awful, just awful. But we know she's, she's blind as a bat. And so we, we all get up, you know, one at a time, and we kind of get our flaw, and, and we scoop it off into the garbage, you know. But here's poor Kina. She doesn't know how to deal with May May. This is new for her. So she just keeps politely eating the coffee flaw. She was sick as a dog that night. It was just unbelievable. But that, that's the joy of life together. And, and, and you know what? May May was painted a beautiful picture. She was well loved. If a man does not provide for his family, his relatives, and especially for his own family, he's disowned the faith. He's worse than an unbeliever. The word provide is to literally think ahead, to take thought for. You're worse than an unbeliever. You've got to understand something. The Romans and the Greeks, everything about them was about taking care of your family. You know what? If you were, if you were Greek and you were in politics and they found out that you weren't taking care of your family, you were kicked out, oftentimes killed. What? You're a person who doesn't take care of your family? You're out. He's saying, 
if we don't take care of our own family, we are worse than the Romans and Greeks who are full-on pagans. It's like we, we don't even have faith. Because you understand the character of God is that he's painting a beautiful picture with these saints. And we need to do the same. We need to care for them. It pleases God. They're beautiful and beloved. Well, you know, when we read passages like this, the Holy Spirit does stuff to us where He moves us and He prompts us and He makes us think about, Lord, how are we doing? You know, how are we doing as a church family? And let me just tell you uh, how we're doing and what we're all about. There is in this church a, a beautiful group of women. It's called the Widow's Connection. And one of the things I found out what, the other day, I didn't realize this actually, uh, there's about 50 plus women in this church family that we know of uh, that are widows right now. And they gather together and they love each other and they cry together and they have fun together and they just live life together. And so it's a great support group. It's widows, young and old. It's a great group. We have in this church family, especially uh, in all the different, the men's ministry loves to put on a Valentine's dinner for them, high tea. The youth ministry has stepped in with doing games with them. There's, I mean, there's just, I really thank you, you guys. I, all the ministries here have really tried to come alongside. And just be thoughtful and loving. There's a lot of loving going on, I'll say that. And as I sat uh, with one of our uh, dear widows uh, the other day, just to kind of go, hey, just honestly, like, how are we doing? Are we missing you in any areas? Are we, are we failing as a church family? What does it look like? And she honestly was like, we feel very loved by this church family. But she did say this, and I thought this was good for us. How can we love better? She said, you know what? It's just kind of checking in sometimes. Like, how are you doing today? You know, that we don't forget that, that yeah, we, we, are, we are hurting. We miss, we miss our spouse sometimes deeply. And just checking in. And she goes, you know what else? Sometimes just a hug. Just say, hey, we love you. Thinking of you. And she goes, that would be nice. So I just want to encourage us as a body of Christ. Let's think about that. Let's think about who our widows are. Let's give them a hug. You may want to, as a growth group or something, say, hey, let's, let's adopt a widow. Let's make sure that we're loving up on our widow as well. Our, our, our beautiful paintings in this church, that we give them high value. God has painted this wonderful picture of awesome value. And he wants to encourage you, beautiful widows, and I want you to know this from us as leadership of this church. You are a significant part of this body. We love your wisdom and your beauty. We love what you bring to us, how you love us. We also want to encourage you to keep using your gifts. God has a lot in store for you. We need you to impact our lives with what God is doing with you. Don't stop serving, don't stop praying. Keep asking God what he has for your life. We love life together with you. And the truth is, 
together, we are the family of God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for each and every one in this room and how valuable they are to you. I thank you for how you've made us. And Lord, I appreciate this passage this morning to remind us about caring and being tender and giving value to to our widows, to our older saints, to give respect and worth and dignity. Forgive us, Father, when we don't. And through your Holy Spirit, would you remind us? Help us to love well, I pray. And as we love each other well and as we give each other value, would you be reflected to the world in knowing who you are and your amazing love and how you've created each and every one with incredible value. In your precious name, amen.